Welcome to the Finding Equilibrium podcast, where we dig deep into the battle of the sexes. Because let's be real, the relationship between men and women is complex, nuanced, and often fraught with tension. Women are expected to be assertive and career-driven, while men are encouraged to embrace their emotions and be more vulnerable. But are we really finding balance and harmony, or are we just creating more confusion? We know that finding true equilibrium requires us to confront the uncomfortable truths and challenge the status quo. So we're showing up to call out the cultural narratives that have shaped our perceptions of masculinity and femininity and examine how we can break free from the constraints of societal expectations and ideations, like why women are pushed to act more like men and why men are becoming more like the women they were raised to protect. So whether you're here to explore this seemingly never-ending battle or simply seeking inspiration to bring your own assets to the table, we invite you to join us for some thrilling and controversial conversation. Today's topic is me. We're going to talk about ego. And obviously, this platform is supposed to mostly be about, you know, relationships and men and women and gender roles and whatnot. But ego is like a much broader situation than being an adult or being in a relationship. Ego is a tough one because ego is like the voice that you hear in your head and like the voice that you hear out loud. Ego is the the toes that get stepped on. Ego is the I, I want, I deserve. We think of ego as, you know, our perceived self-worth or our self-esteem. And and it is, that's what ego is. But first to understand that stuff, you got to understand that ego is you, like the the you part, the I part. The The conscious you part. Yeah. Like the thing that is sentient, the thing that feels feelings and notices other people's feelings that is ego so when we speak of ego it's not something that's inherently bad or good it is just it is the you part of the universe but when we're talking about ego today for the most part we're going to be talking about self-esteem and self-awareness and self-importance but we need to keep in mind that it has to keep coming back to the fact that the ego part is the self of that. The other things are just the self perspective. So to sit there and say that, you know, ego is good or ego is bad isn't really the perspective. Ego is the thing. The other things are the perspective. Ego is like the filter to all the things. Yeah. Yeah. Ego's the, ego's a funny thing because you really want to have a strong ego you know you don't want things to easily hurt you you know because that's what it means when something hurts you that's what it means it hurts your ego you know it stepped on my toes that's my ego you know so like when person struggles with validation and and you know being openly vulnerable and whatnot usually they have a weak ego which it's not that it's bad or good but it's that i think that's where we are nowadays is most of us have kind of a shattered ego and a damaged ego and it you know it makes us cry out for attention and validation and stuff that you know a person with a strong ego and and good self-confidence wouldn't wouldn't necessarily you know be subconsciously looking for and i've been listening to the david goggins you know the david goggins dudes like he's my fucking hero and 
I know most people haven't listened to his books or whatever, so it's hard to understand because people just think that he's like, you know, they see him in a clip in a podcast and they're like, this dude's intense. He's not like some self-help type guru or anything like that. He just like, he he really staples down how you need to treat yourself when it comes to your ego. You know, when it comes to dealing with that, that inner bitch that wants to be like, you know, I don't want to do it. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't like this. And after thinking about it for the past couple of weeks, it kind of occurred to me that like your ego has a bunch of little pieces and the inner bitch that we think is weakness. It's, it's the little kid that's still in there. Like we've got this inner child that doesn't want to do these things that are hard all the time and doesn't want to do, you know, things that are so high level responsibility, the child ego wants to, to just play and be loved. And, and he's the one that's getting crushed all the time when it's like, you know, I don't want to do the cold shower. And it's like, you're going to do the cold shower. And it's like, you know, we think of it like that's man or bitch trying to be like a pussy. I don't want to. And that's just the inner little kid that doesn't want to see you in pain. You know, if the ego is a bunch of little pieces, then you got to look at it from the perspective of all these little perspectives have to experience each other. Love has to experience a hate. They're not the same. They're not the same part of your ego. You know, so one can hurt the other. So we tend to be so rough on the part of our ego that's the little kid. And, and I think that's what's so fucked up about relationships is because we're both doing the same thing. We both have this little kid ego that they want to meet up and, and, and take care of each other and protect each other. And like, the, it's hard for them to even meet because, you know, you got these two puppeteers that are trying to suppress that part of the ego and, and just look at it like it's weakness. You need love. That's weakness. You want to play. You want to shirk your responsibilities. You know, that's not discipline. And while I feel that way incredibly strongly, I've definitely been realizing lately that that's not just me being weak. That's a part of me that should get a say too. You know, like I've been destroying myself a lot for a while. And I, as much as I want to smash the weakest parts of me, I've been realizing lately that some of those parts aren't weakness. I just perceived them as being weakness because I didn't I didn't understand them. And now I feel a lot more whole. And the crazy thing is I feel like it's easier. It's easier to be strong in those weak moments now that I know that it's like, you know, cause, and I'm really rough on myself. Like my self-talk is really hard. Like when, when my ego starts to cry, I'm quick to be like, you know, no, shut up, you little bitch. Like I don't need, I don't need to hear your fucking tears. And lately, I've, I've, you know, I'm just as hard on myself. But it, it's almost like I'm talking to my son now, you know, because I'm rough on my son. But it's a lot different than when I thought I was talking to this like this little bitch that kept trying to control my life and, and make me weak. Well, now it's like I'm giving a pep talk. It's still rough, 
but it's, you know, meant to cater to the parts of me that maybe see the self-destruction as like the hardening, just, you know, you're hardening your heart. That's, that's the whole thing. You know, you kill that little child on the inside and you're not going to have any heart left. And you, there's nothing on you that's hard to heal, like your heart. So I just, I don't know. It was, it was a really existential kind of research project. Because like like I said, this, this is me. This is, this is me. I'm looking at my notes and I'm just like, I am the worst. I have spent my life just thinking that I was so fucking, so worthy. I don't want to get too far, too far into my stuff without hearing your perspective on that because I'm about to go down the rabbit hole. Well, yeah, the ego is definitely just self-awareness. And I think that the the hardest part of the ego is learning it because it's it's the conscious mind. So it's autopilot all the time. And I think it's got three components. I think the ego definitely drives our thoughts and our emotions and our behaviors. And when it comes to our thoughts, I think our ego is driven by like all the preconceived ideas and the things that we've been conditioned to believe, you know, and um, the thoughts about like, how we view ourselves and how we protect our self image. And so we oftentimes we're in defense a lot because we're trying to protect this image. And so we don't personal identity. We, yeah, we don't like to see like the viewpoints of other people because our ego is that filter, like I said, and we've, we've already got our own thoughts and ideas about how things are supposed to be. So we go into, if you look at it from a relationship perspective, we go into a relationship with all these preconceived notions of how things are supposed to work. Well, with a person that has their own ego and their own preconceived ideas of how things are supposed to work. So right there, like this is just that conditioned thing that happens. And unless you're self-aware about your own ego it's going to be difficult to be able to step into a relationship with somebody else who might have completely different thoughts regarding their own ego. And then like the emotional side of that is just the biggest thing that people want to feel is acceptance. We don't want to ever want to be rejected. We don't ever want to be judged. And so we're constantly seeking that validation and that praise and like the pat on the back. And it, it just fosters that sense of self-worth that the, that's what the ego is right? And again, when you go into a relationship with that, it can lead to a lot of resentment and anger and insecurity if somebody isn't fostering that emotional side of your ego, or if you aren't fostering that emotional side of that person's ego. And so that's where you get really defensive and you get into arguments is because you're just not seeing eye to eye because you're both trying to protect your own ego without understanding one another's ego. And it, like you said, it's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But the key here is that self-awareness part. Like if you understand that inner child, the things that that inner child needs, it's going to be a lot easier for you to not only drive your relationship, but also communicate in that relationship. And so like that behavior perspective of, you know, because I said thoughts, emotions, and behaviors, the behavior is like that self-image 
and the self-promotion and the seeking validation and admiration and trying to avoid situations that threaten our own preconceived ideas of who we are, you know, who that ego is. And I think in relationships, when we talk about all the other reels and podcasts and stuff that are out there, I think this is a huge piece of the behavior that we're seeing in women today is that they're just trying to fill a void that their inner child never had that that admiration, that validation that they're looking for, the attention, you know what I mean? And so the behaviors that they are portraying is because it's all ego driven because they're trying to protect, they're trying to portray, they're trying to fill a void, whatever the reason is, but it's all based on ego. And I think that ego is a huge component to the fucked up shit that we see in relationships today, because a lot of people aren't aware of that. And they also maybe don't even care about it. Or they have no idea on how to navigate that. But bottom line, I guarantee you that the ego is driving 90% of most people in their relationships. So rabbit pull it up. Yeah, no, I mean, that's definitely, yeah. Yeah, I just wish girls would fill the void with something else. Like what? Not a bunch of dicks. (laughs) So the... The thing with this one is I've always been really this is this has been a great one for me because I learned a lot about myself and about perspective and you don't like just defining words that you think you fucking know is like my favorite thing because you don't you've spent your whole life using the fucking words almost right because the, the big word for boys all the time is pride and pride's definitely something that you know is is been a a big argument for years like you know should you be prideful in something or shouldn't you be prideful in something and I like to say don't be too prideful but take pride in what you do you know it's a good way to to make that word make sense from from both perspectives but when I actually looked it up for the most part pride just means to take deep pleasure or satisfaction in in doing something and I understand that that's what it, what it means, but I didn't really ever take it that way. You know, I always looked at it more like having pride in something means that you you put in the effort. You took pride. Pride which, and prideful have a little bit of a skewed meaning. So you just define pride, but prideful means having an excessively high opinion of oneself. And I think that tailors more to what you had kind of always thought pride meant. So while pride might be like you're taking pride in something, being prideful, even though similar, it's it's a little bit different in that, like having that high validation or opinion of yourself, not just the thing that you're taking pride in. Right, right. And none of those things mean what I wanted them to mean. Like when you take pride in something... It's just about your satisfaction. Like we just use the word wrong all the time. But what it really comes down to is one of the other definitions, or not one of the part of the definition to pride is just being conscious of your own dignity. And dignity is the word because dignity is the state of being worthy of honor or respect. So I love that. I love that. But you just got to remember that have worth, create worth, be worth, have as much worth as you possibly can. And obviously you're the person that's going to sit there and, you know, dictate how much 
you feel you're worthy, but you got to realize that word means more than it seems. You know, to be worthy doesn't mean to be deserving. So just because you're worthy of love doesn't mean you deserve it. And I use that word, but when when I use the word deserve, I don't feel like people deserve anything. I don't care how fucking hard you worked for something. You don't deserve it. My best example is competition. When you take two people that are the best in the world, one of them's going to win. The one that didn't win worked maybe even harder than the one that won. Did he deserve it? Did they deserve it? We got to get that shit out of our fucking head. You don't deserve anything. You might be worthy of a great relationship. You might be worthy of a, of a wonderful person's love or, you know, but don't get stuck thinking that you deserve it somehow. Like I've worked this hard. Somebody owes this to me. Nobody owes you a fucking thing, no matter how hard you've worked or what you've done, even the people that you've done it for. The, the hardest thing for me when it came to pride and ego and dignity was I wasn't humble. I wasn't humble. Confidence comes from repetition and ability. You watch yourself accomplish. You become competent, which makes you confident. So then, the, you know, when you go to do something, you aren't afraid. You have confidence because you know you're competent from past experiences which makes you have an inflated sense of ego and self-worth, which is great if you can do it while being humble and not expecting anything, not feeling deserving any of, of anything. You know, life is not tit for tat. You will never have a good relationship if you're keeping score. And I think that's all we do now is we keep score of, you know, like it, it was like you said, I think that it was it, this whole thing made me so aware of, of the parts of my ego that I don't even think about or give credit to that that are main driving forces of my existence and everyone else's. And the fact that we don't know how to cater to those things, you know, which definitely means that our spouse won't know how to cater to those things, it just blows my mind. Like we always talk about, you know, what we get taught in school and what we get taught by our families and it's like we get taught a lot of things but this thing here that is you nobody really sits you down and it's like let's talk about the i today you know what does the i want what does the i need what does the i think how does the i like we can barely handle the man in the mirror that's just a physical manifestation of the ego that's not even a thing if you can't handle that and how the fuck are you going to handle the real you? I wanna, like when I look back, my ego is that I always looked at myself as so much worth that I could never lose a mate. I could never lose a mate. How could a woman leave me when I check all the boxes? I'm all the things. I'm sure I'm not all the things, but you know. I've always felt like I was most of the things. So I've carried around this confidence with me my whole life. That's like, I could never lose my significant other because I'm so goddamn special. Now, there's two sides of that coin. One, acting like that will certainly give you the confidence and mental prowess to hopefully be treated like 
you're not replaceable because <clears throat> you don't want to walk around acting like you're super replaceable. You know, nobody's going to love and respect that person. But at the same time, stomping around like you're not replaceable, that's the least humble thing you can do. You know, and while that might come off as confidence, anybody with any kind of real empathy or ability to understand feelings is just going to see you as seeking external validation. You know, it's going to be the opposite of what you, which is what, you know, which was my life. It was my life. And I looked at my, the world took a lot from me and I just stomped around like I fucking deserved something. And yeah, I think so much of it is that inner child of ours is all of a sudden one day it's like grow up and that's it. And then you're grown up and the next day you're grown up and you're at work and you've got this child in an adult body who's sad and wants to go out and play and he's at work. At a job that he hates, you know, or stuck in a relationship that's not fun anymore, you know, or piled with responsibilities. And it's just like, how did I get here? I feel like it was just a few years ago that I was chasing girls and hanging out. And every night was just a fucking a new thing. And and then all of a sudden, all the responsibilities started adding up. But nobody was like, hey, you know, it's responsibility year. You know, we're going to take on four more responsibilities this year. It's just like so progressively became your life that all of a sudden this little kid has all these duties to do every day. And then this little kid is just like, woe is me. And it's so fucking sad. Like how unfair and unprepared the whole thing is for us to just have to be like, you know, we get the worst education and indoctrination we could get, and then we just get thrown out there. We just get thrown out there. When you leave high school, you never read another book. You never sprint another fucking set of suicides. Like, we're set up to fail. We don't know ourselves. That's what this is. This yeah. is not knowing self. How the fuck can you know someone else? And, and treat someone else if you don't even know self and don't know how to treat self and you're just smashing that little kid. The whole fucking thing's heartbreaking. Yeah, I completely agree that we are just taught all the wrong things and not everybody goes out to seek the right things. You know, the majority of people aren't going to dig this deep into the meaning of ego to understand that this is the driving force behind most of the behaviors that just demolish relationships is the ego because we don't have good understanding of what it is or how to even deal with it. And a big part of that, like what you said, is just that, well, first I want to go back because Deserving actually has the word worthy in it, in the definition. So worth and deserving is similar. I think you were spot on with dignity because dignity is like self-respect and virtue and virtue is like high moral standards. Honor. <clears throat> Honor. Yes. Yeah. And so I totally think that dignity and virtue are amazing words to just kind of drive this point home. But 
Oh, fuck, dude. Fuck off. I didn't even understand what the word meant. No wonder I hated the word for so long. I mean, if we're going to do it, we just got to do it right, right? And this is, oh, fucking perfect example of the ego right now. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Yeah. But it's it's not, and this is this is where this conversation could have took a fucking hard turn and you could have got butt hurt and upset with me because you don't know how to deal with your own ego. Well, when in fact, it's really not, the issue is, is not what I just delivered to you. The issue is, is you still haven't tried like figuring out your ego and how you respond to that. Because the behaviors that I'm talking about that are detrimental to relationships is that power struggle the inability to resolve an issue because everybody has to be right. Like somebody has to have the last word, right? We might be really apprehensive to share our vulnerabilities and emotions because the ego is afraid of judgment or rejection. And so we create distance unknowingly because we aren't sharing what we should be sharing because our ego gets in the way and our ego feels like if we show up as vulnerable, our partner is going to see us one way. We don't want that. We don't want our ego to be bruised. So we're not even going to go there. What, what that does is drive a wedge into the emotional intimacy of that relationship unknowingly. So if you don't know these things, like how, how are you supposed to approach a situation like that? Because nobody has that conversation in their relationship. Nobody. Right, yeah. And then like the two, two super duper potheads or something that are like in down an existential rabbit hole. That's about it. <laughs> yeah, probably. And also, like I said, like the control in having to be the person that's always, you know, has the last word or whatever, but also just like the conflict and the, the communication, how you resolve problems, things like that. You just kind of attack one another because you're both trying to fill that ego when like yes the ego is an important component of who you are but again you're both trying to heal that inner child of you and neither one of you are stopping to try to understand that about the other person you're both fighting your own inner battles with one another and so all that's doing is creating this detrimental friction because neither one of you is really working on that self-awareness Right. Right. Um, A quote that I read the other day and I just, I thought it was dope. It was looking at people as a whole, you know, and and you and I have done some reading and stuff about the awakening and, you know, Buddhism and other religions that just believe in this seeking of what we're talking about today, that self-awareness and coming to that awakening that I think we all should experience, but we're not taught that. And most people aren't going to go out and look for it. When you think about it, every individual is so similar. Just we're wired so similarly that we all really have a main purpose, all of us. Like we all have our individual purposes and whatever, but everybody needs to have this self-awareness to be able to really experience life as life was was meant to, you know? And so the quote is, I am because you are. And you are because I am. And like, if you look at people that way, I wouldn't be me if it wasn't for you being you. You wouldn't be you if it wasn't me being me. Does that make sense? Like we're all, we're all ego driven, but at the same time, we all at the bottom of it all is we all want the same things. We all have the same inner child facing a lot of the same fucking issues. 
which is why there's so much conflict is because we haven't resolved the conflict within ourselves. And because of that, like when we come together, we're dealing with our own inner shit, but not really doing it together or for each other or anything other than trying to satisfy that ego. Yeah. And we don't even know how. No, but when you break it down, everybody's fighting a similar battle and it's usually battle of self. Right. That's definitely my battle. Especially lately. And it's the self-awareness piece that we're missing. Because if we could just address the root cause of the reason why we're insecure and the reason why we have low self-esteem and the reason why that, you know, in a disagreement, we just, we refuse to even entertain the idea of anybody else's perspective because we're so worried about bruising our own ego or we have to be the one that's right or the one that's in control and so it just escalates and, and drives a wedge or it's it's absent and drives a wedge in that relationship and you're not allowed to be vulnerable because you're afraid of what it's going to do yeah that's me for sure so I, I think everything comes back to that self-awareness piece and everybody, every single human has to be self-aware to some degree to really be able to, if you're trying to have a successful relationship, in any relationship, everybody has to have that self-awareness. Look in the yeah, mirror I mean, once in a while. One of the big things with self-awareness is it means to understand and it, maybe not understand, but it means to be able to perceive your emotions and your feelings, which by extension means that you're able to perceive and experience other people's emotions. So if you're not properly self-aware, then the extension of that is you are not able to properly feel and see your partner's emotions or anyone for that matter if you're trying to be a parent if you're trying to be a good spouse you know whatever it is if, if you're not in tune enough with your own feelings you will never understand another person's feelings and this, this is really hard i got kind of a quick story actually real quick before i get too far away so the word pride is fucking stupid like i've looked it up every different way that you can put it together pride only has it only means even the word prideful prideful means having excessively high opinion of oneself like like all no matter how i spin that word pride it just means like you know it's all about me me joy blah 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 it doesn't mean at all what i thought it meant when it comes to taking pride in something you do just means finding enjoyment in it that's not at all what I thought it meant. I don't know what word actually goes there. So hopefully, you know, on our next podcast, I can figure out what word goes in place of pride when we're talking about caring about what you do. You know, because I, I would say take pride in, in your family and your household and all these things. If you're going to take, like the way I always thought it meant is like, if I'm going to sit there and I'm going to do a project, I'm going to put my pride into it which meant to do a good job, to live up to my standards. And I guess with prideful, it kind of matches up because it means having an excessively high opinion of yourself. But I'm not talking about finding joy. So so pride is not the right word. I, I have to come up with a different word because I've been using that word wrong my whole life. 
which takes me right into deserving. I can say that I've never actually looked up the definition of this word. And I've always hated this word because I hate hearing people say, I deserve it. I did all these things. And it's like, I don't care if you did all these things. We all did all those fucking things. You know, stop, stop telling me that you deserve it. And when you read the definition, it just says worthy of being treated in a particular way. And that hit me super hard because if I'm using the word correctly, then people deserve all kinds of things. I deserve all kinds of things. I deserve respect and honor and to be treated like I'm worthy. But the point isn't, are you deserving? The point is, realize that even though you may be deserving, that doesn't mean that it translates into anything actually happening. You know, just because you deserve to win doesn't mean that you're going to win. It does mean that you're deserving. You're worthy of winning. You put in the time and the effort, or hopefully, if you're deserving, then you did. It just doesn't mean that you're going to get what you want. And that was everything that you were just talking about is about being humble. And there's another word that I'm not thinking of all of a sudden that goes right along with humble, but we are not humble. People are not humble. The version of me today, comparatively, is unbelievably more humble than the version of me 10 years ago and for sure the version of me 20 years ago. And my life experiences have just been very traumatic and humbling. They take and take and take. And I realize more and more that regardless of how deserving I am, that doesn't mean that the universe is going to come together and make things be the way that I I think that I want them to be, whether or not it really is what I need or not. And that's what being humble is. Being humble is, (sighs) the best way to explain being humble is just, Letting the day's events unfold the way they will without your expectations getting in the way. I could give a shit what your expectations are. It's going to go how it goes, and you're going to be fucking happy with it. And you're going to lose, and you're going to be just fine with it. And you're going to not be the best, and you're going to be just fine with it. Even if you were deserving, even if you tried so fucking hard, there's nothing attractive about not being humble like that is like especially in a man i want to tell a story about i don't know if i've talked about this really but just quick backstory i got severely injured about a decade ago got ran over by a car leg got cut off back got crushed six spinal fusions some mashed up neck vertebrae Piles of broken bones and and other damage, internal damage, organ damage. My facial palate was broken. Just piles of stuff. And very traumatic. Was in a hospital bed for a long time. Went through a huge lawsuit. Just all kinds of fucking terrible. And, And keep in mind, I had a seemingly good marriage. And 
it never really I got I got mad. I was a mad guy. I was just a mad guy anyway. But I remember that when it all went down, I didn't really worry about getting better. Like I I know all the doctors told me all the worst things. Like you're not going to lift your arm, you're probably not going to walk, we're like like they they sewed my my leg got cut off. I lost my leg below my knee and they, they put my leg back on and they, they wanted to do all kinds of fusions to my leg and stuff. And it was just, it was a really rough time. And for the most part, I just never really felt that stuff. I just like somehow knew inside that I wasn't what they were saying. Like it, I, I was going to be fine. I just knew I was going to be fine. And I never really got super down about it because I just, I know that I'm indestructible. I'm a fucking monster. Like if the, if the universe really wants me gone, it's going to have to come down here and do it itself. So I don't feel any kind of like, I didn't, I didn't feel any kind of worry. And I just put myself back together. And I mean, I'm still working. I'm putting myself back together. You know, this, this 12, 15 years, whatever the fuck it is later. But I remember my wife, who was so strong. She was so strong. And I remember when I came through the ER door, I don't remember. I was unconscious, innovative, and all kinds of shit. But when I came through the ER door, half my clothes were cut off of me. I didn't have a leg. I lost enough blood at the scene that they didn't think that they didn't even think it was blood when they first saw it. They just thought my, my bike had leaked all the oil out of it. And, uh, one of the first people was the triage phlebotomist, which happened to be my wife. So she sees me come through the door. She sees all my tattoos. Can't see my face, but knows it's me. I'm covered in tattoos. Didn't know I was coming. Like, just a shock. Come through the door. I know those tattoos. And uh, from that moment all the way until I really started to get better, I realized that it was so much harder for her than it was for me, at least in that time. And I didn't realize it then, that it was like, I was built for it. Like it sucked, but it, it just wasn't that big a deal. I just, I got to stay at home with my newborn kid and, once I was finally able to sit up, I started playing video games and like, it was like a little vacation, you know, there's a lot of tears, but uh, physical pain isn't, physical pain's not a thing. He cut me into pieces. I can handle any of it. It's when you crush my heart that, you know, men in general, we men can handle any physical pain. Like when a normal man is crying, that's a bad thing, man. That's a bad thing. But anyway, sorry. My point was just that I really realized through that that even the strongest women are a lot softer than we think they are. And I'm not trying to say that in any kind of like negative way because strong women are amazing. But when I look back at that situation, I feel a lot of shame for not using my strength that because that I mean that's what that's what I was I was just ego right from when I woke up 
And they told me what happened. And it's just like, that's okay. I know who I am and I will be fine. Well, if I had been thinking about all the other egos in the room, then I think we all would have been a lot better because I watched it, you know, kind of crush my wife in certain ways. And, uh, you know, which spilled over into my life and my relationship, which is a much longer conversation about, you know, the road that all, that all went down. But I just, um, I think women are a lot closer to breaking down than we think. Like just at any given moment, I think women are feeling the weight on, the, on their self a lot more than we think. And the fact that women are such an emotional roller coaster, I think, really personifies how how hard it is for them to deal with emotions when it's like we think our job is to protect our women and children, like from the storm. But usually the storm, it's like I said a minute ago, like strong people can handle physical pain. You know, you don't want scars on your woman, but if you're going to protect her from something, if you're going to protect your family from something, especially the girls, it should be the mental strain. Like, you know, I don't know if guys are like me. I hope they are. I hope that their ego is strong enough to handle the weight of, you know, like... You don't need to win. You don't need to be right. But I just think that I think our egos are different. And I think that male egos are just like they are ego. And I think they should be. You just got to figure out how to make it a humble ego. You should feel so fucking confident. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to fucking get it done. And we're all going to survive because of me. Because I know. I know. I think that's supposed to exist to protect women from having to to do that. I don't know. I feel like a woman needs to be as strong as her man can't be. So I always talk like I, you know, like a strong woman's not a good thing. A strong woman is the best thing. But you gotta figure out how to be stronger than her. Because it's not her job to protect your fucking ego. It doesn't mean she should be, you know. Abusing the ego. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're, if you're the kind of woman who's saying negative shit about your man in public, fuck. You don't deserve. Or even see, here's the thing too, is I've heard, I mean, this may not be in public, you know what I mean? Per se, but I've been in situations where I've just overheard couples being so just downright mean to each other, just hurtful shit to say hurtful shit. And like, we really have to get a grip on that because we all have that ego and you cannot sit there and bruise and batter your man. Even if you feel as if like he, like you said, he's not, he's not protecting her a specific way or something. It's not your job to belittle him and make him feel even worse because I guarantee you he's probably already thinking very similar things that 
you are saying to him. Yeah. You know, he's already in his head about the things that you're bringing to his attention and it doesn't make it any better. So it's the woman's job to just acknowledge that, you know, he's ego driven too. And to just talk about it. Not every person's going to want to have a conversation about it, especially maybe not in the moment. But I think at some point, you know, you have to. The vulnerability that you're talking about in order for something to really, you know, the issue to be addressed, like you have to at some point talk about it. And it doesn't have to be a full-fledged, like to the degree of making the man feel emasculated or something like that, but just enough to where it's acknowledged because I think that women forget that men have this vulnerability. I feel like most women know about the vulnerability and that's the thing is it's like everything you just said is what we want, but, but it's literally opposite of what happens. A guy becomes slightly vulnerable women pick up on those vulnerabilities and insecurities and they shelve them until they are needed as ammunition because women tend to use our most vulnerable things as their as their weapons so instead of instead of the woman seeing the vulnerabilities and stoking the fire and stroking the ego so that you can build up what, you know, the part of the foundation that he's having problems with, women tend to do the opposite. And they hit those things at very specific times where it's like, you know, the, which obviously sitting here talking, anybody that's listening, that's obviously the worst thing you can fucking do. I don't need to say that. It's so obvious. Like if a guy is never being vulnerable and he's finally in a position where he's super fucking sad or he's crying or somebody died or he's maybe just fucking drunk and being vulnerable and, you know, and you get those pieces of information, man, if you fuck up with those pieces of information, you will ruin a man. If you use the things that he, cause it's like, it's like you just said, he's already doing it. He's killing himself with those, with those neither one of those words is what i want inadequacies that's what the word is he's already destroying himself in his own mind with his inadequacies and if you pick up on that as a female and use that as any kind of ammunition fuck you are the worst fucking person but to your point that is the opportunity to do the opposite like if you want to create the confident strong man then help him create a foundation under his insecurities so he has confidence in those things and you will just make your man that much more of the man that you want him to be but i just feel like i usually see the opposite where when when a man has an inadequacy you know because that's what we feel most vulnerable about vulnerable about is what we're you know not rising to the occasion for women tend to use those things especially if they're losing an argument when women are losing an argument, it's very typical for the things to come up that are like, you know, you know, well, maybe if you had a bigger dick, you know what I'm saying? That's obviously not the, but that's just how it goes down where it's like the guy feels insecure about sex, maybe. And then it's like, she drops a little comment about how, 
what I, it's not like I've been really made to feel like a woman in such a long time or just, you know, bringing up things and that, you know, I don't know. There's just so many examples that I see of women just like taking that little bit of information that he didn't even want anybody to have. And, and I swear to God, if you want your man to open up, he will never again after that. Well, you're humiliating him. Oh, yeah. When I, like, I guess it was more of a deeper description that I was providing about a woman not understanding that men have vulnerability because, yeah, you're right. They totally will use the men's Achilles heel to just shred him, whether it's publicly or privately or whatever. Women are notorious for that, and it's the worst thing that you can do. Absolutely. But I'm saying I don't think women recognize that men have these vulnerabilities as a way of expressing like their own self-awareness. And that's we do that, too, but we just don't see it that way. And I think that women don't recognize it either, that when a man is expressing that, like a man's just kind of thinking out loud and, you know, in his head about all these things already, but just like, I need to have this conversation and share it with you because maybe it's causing problems in the relationship, or maybe it's just like driving him crazy and he's just got to talk to somebody about it. And that could really be a component that could make a relationship even stronger if it is nurtured in such a way, you know, if it's done right. If, yeah. Right. And I, I just think that women miss these opportunities in not recognizing that, you know, men have vulnerability too, but it's not a weapon. It shouldn't be used against them. And I just think that we are so used to seeing it that way or, you know, mom did it, grandma did it, our friends do it, whatever. So it's like, oh, that's yeah. what we're supposed to do when really like we're no different. You know, women are more sensitive. Women are more emotional. You know, women are more open about their vulnerabilities. So it's just norm. But for men, it's like we are just taught to expect that men don't have these things. And if you show that, then that makes you less of a man. Or now you have exposed yourself and you're just a target. You know, right. I think that's why men don't don't really explore their vulnerable side. And I think that that deters them from that self-awareness process is because they're told that it's not okay, you know, or if they do, then their ego gets in the way and they feel like if they do, they're just setting themselves up for, you know, all the things that the ego is trying to deter. Protect itself from, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's kind of what I meant by that. I just don't think that we see the opportunities that lie within the vulnerabilities of each other. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, if you want to be close to your spouse, this is the way right here. Like if you, if you can understand your spouse's vulnerabilities and you can help to foster a environment that will, you know, bolster those things and, and make them not vulnerabilities, you will create the most longest lasting connection that you possibly can with another person. Like, and I think that there's a lot to it when it comes to men, because I, I need to reiterate all the times you should not be boohooing on your wife's shoulder. You just you can't you can't fucking do that. But I also would never advocate to hide your feelings from your wife either. Like you like as a man, your, your job 
is to not bleed all over the people around you. But it doesn't mean that you have to sit there and die in silence. You just need to get a handle of yourself, get an understanding of what's going on, you know, shed some tears in private or, you know, around the right people, and then then go to your spouse with maybe the solutions that you've already come up with or, you know, looking for help with something, but you can't do it from a place of weakness. And I only say that to men, like women, um, it, should, it should be completely the opposite. Women especially, is, is like what you are saying a minute ago about the, because like, really what it comes down to is it is normal in today's society to joke about your man's inadequacies. That's what women do. They stand around in a little circle and they joke about their men's inadequacies and they sit there and they try and top their friend like, you know, oh, oh you think you're... Your man's, you know, bad at construction, you know, my my man couldn't even fucking install the toilet. And it's just like, you won't hear men talking. You don't, you don't see men in a circle. Like men and, men and women are really different when it comes to their spouses. Like, for instance, one of the big things is, is men don't, we don't talk about our sexual escapades in the way that I think women think. Like, you know, sometimes when, you know, you're younger and you meet a girl at the bar and you knock her out in the parking lot. And it's like, it's a story to be told, you know, I'm such a fucking ace. Look at what I did. That is different than, you know, like my, my wife is killer in the bedroom and she does these fucking hangs from the ceiling and we've got straps and stuff. And like, you, you know, you, those conversations aren't really had between the guys. Like we don't, we don't want the guys to know. We're not like sitting there arguing over who in very parallel to that is, you know, when men find a woman attractive, we just find them attractive. You know, like I, I think gingers are just fucking super hot. I don't know. I know that's a thing that a lot of people are just like, that's super fucking weird. I, I don't know what to fucking tell you. I think it's, it's just so hot. Like the pale skin and the, the freckly, the freckly face and the fucking, the, I don't, I don't know what it is, but I don't need anybody to tell me that that's attractive or that's not attractive. And my, you know, I, my friends will look right at me and be like, you know, what do you, why do you think that girl's attractive? And it's like, you know, oh, you don't think she's attractive? Good. More for me. Don't even look at her ever again. She's fucking mine. And, and girls are like completely the opposite where they almost need their friends to think the man is attractive or they won't like he could be a 10 and if all her friends are like you know ah she's just gonna pick up on that like we're just way different yeah i think that it's we have such a way different like i i would love to have a a partner that looks at me like I'm capable and, you know, I'm attractive and I'm good in bed and would never want to partake in those conversations other than to say, I don't have bad things to say about my husband. He's, you know, the love of my life. But for the most part, that's just not where we're at anymore. Like, I just don't see, I don't see, I do see that. That's not true. I do see it sometimes. There are a couple of relationships I see that do genuinely look healthy. But for the most part, attacking each other's ego is like the number one fucking thing we do. And we're doing it behind each other's backs. 
like I said, for the most part, guys don't do that. I want girls, like girls that are listening, when we talk about you, we talk about your dumb asses like you're so fucking special. And even when our boys are like, dude, she's not special. Look at what she's doing. What's wrong with you? We're fucking blind. We're so stupid. We're so blind. When women realize that you put them on a pedestal, they, they will get outwardly upset. It will ruin the relationship because the woman isn't supposed to feel more worth in the relationship than you. She was trying to pick a, a leader, a man, a monster, an alpha. And, you know, if you're walking around treating her like she is more special, more deserving, more worthy than you, then it fucks with the relationship. Because then she starts to have this subconscious, like, you know, how can I be with a real man if I'm the one that's the fucking prize? I got to put perspective on this. From somebody who is married for a fucking lifetime, that is not what we're doing. That's not what we're doing. You only have that worth to us. You are only a prize to just us. And I, I know I know that's the thing. Like, we're not supposed to look at you like you're so fucking special. But that, is, that could easily be your one opportunity to be loved and treated that way. Because just because a man puts you on a pedestal doesn't mean that that man doesn't know his self-worth. He just knows that he would kill and die for the very thought of you. And the one of the things that I thought of with the female ego that I really see in today's dating market is that women don't realize that that pedestal that looking at you like you're a trophy like you're you're not a trophy I don't like that like you're you're just so special to us because a trophy is anything that anybody can win Anybody can have a trophy. You know, I don't want, I don't want to fight over a trophy. I want somebody who is unique to me that I think is so fucking special. I could give a fuck what anybody else thinks. And the biggest thing I see with that is that men, when they love their wives and the woman start, I use Pierce Brosnan as my example all the time, because when he was younger, he had gorgeous athletic wife. And now that he's older, um, she's gained a lot of weight. She's still very pretty and carries her weight well and stuff. So I'm not making any derogatory comments about the way that about the way that she looks. It's just my point is that, you know, when you look at him, look at her, you can tell he's still madly in love with her. And that's that's what that that's what that pedestal really is, is when we love you enough, we stop seeing the lines on your face. We we don't see, you know, You've got a C-section scar. That's sexy. That was my kid. That was my, that sacrifice was for me and for my family. And, you know, your age starts to set in on your body and your face or the, the weathering from having a kid. Like it, it fucks with the elasticity of your skin. And if you're breastfeeding, which please, everybody breastfeed your fucking kids. But there's no doubt the toll that it's going to take on your chest. But another man is not going to look at those things and see the beauty in them. 
that that man that put you on a pedestal, like the when a man loves you like that, he gets to a point where he can overlook. And let's be real, women, their main agency is the way they look. Like I, I came up with a phrase the other day that's rude as fuck, but it it it's real. Like a a man is as old as he feels, and a woman is as old as she looks. And when a man holds you in such high regard, that that just gets wiped away. It gets wiped away. When a man really loves a woman, he'll have her on a pedestal when she's 85 years old and all the looks are gone. I'm not saying a guy should be a simp and gushing over his girl all the time and so overended by the way that she looks, even if deep down you are. I'm just saying that I think women really misunderstand men's feelings and intentions because... Man, I wish somebody put would put me up on a pedestal and look at me like there wasn't any other people in the, in, you know, like you, you've got to understand how much a man, a man, are we are hardwired, the chemicals in our body make us want to procreate with as many different women as we can until we're dead for our whole fucking life, not till we're 30, not till we're 35. Our whole life. So if a, if a man can hold you in such high regard that he can ignore the beautiful woman standing next to you. Oh, I just struggle to see how that's a negative thing. I get it. I get the psychology of it. I get it. But I don't think girls get it. I think they get the psychology of it because they're like, oh, you know, he must not be worthy if he thinks I'm so fucking special. And okay, psychology agrees with you, but can we just admit that there's more to it than that? Like, I simp I, did I say this the other day about how they asked this girl, they were like, what's the difference between a simp and a good man? Because a good man's holding the door. A good man's buying you gifts. A good man's paying for dinners and bills and all these different things. Well, that's the same thing a simp does. So how, how do we know the difference between a good man and a simp? And the girl said it's easy. A simp is unwarranted. So the girl could take or leave what the simp is doing. But the good man is doing the same things for the woman that is deserving. Oh my God, I'm just gonna use that word all the fucking time now. It's like my new favorite thing. But in reality, they're the same thing. It's the perspective. So all of a sudden you've got the, the worst kind of man and the best kind of man, and they're doing mostly the same things. But the difference is whether or not the woman wants that stuff from the man. And I feel like Maybe there's girls out here that see the being held in high regard as that way too. You know, where maybe they, I don't know. I hope so. Because I'm definitely that guy, you know, where I fall in love with a girl. It's like everybody else just, and I'm a fucking whore. Like I've just, like I grew up just 
struggling, but for some reason, when I'm really in love, it's fucking everybody else is invisible. It's like, oh, we weren't recording earlier, but I remember saying something about how I've really noticed now that I'm single that I will see women that are more attractive than my ex-wife, and I instantly realize that I'm less attracted to those women because I fostered such a sense of worth for this other woman. And it's like, why Why wouldn't women, why wouldn't anybody want that? Why wouldn't everybody want that? I don't know. They do. Yeah. And something that you had said about, I guess, from a woman's side, you know, men don't want to be whittled down. Men don't want to be made to be the, the inferior one, you know, and I think women do a good job of putting that man in that place over time because of the ego, because she has to have the sense of control and, you know, all the things that we just talked about. But I think something that's really important for women to do, and I made a reel about this the other day about giving and receiving in a relationship. And my point in the reel was like appreciation. You know, women want to feel appreciated for all the stuff that they do and they feel like they it goes unnoticed. Well, men want the same thing, but women are not so good about that. Same thing with the ego is we're so good at bruising the male ego, but we don't ever boost his ego. And a compliment for a man goes so oh. further than a compliment to a woman. A man will remember what you said more than anything. So something so small in this, like women want compliments like every day, you know, I mean, I guess some, I don't, cause it's just like, is it really sincere? You know, but at the same time, like women definitely want more compliments than men do. And so like, it doesn't even have to be that often, but stroke his ego a little bit and that'll go so far. And he's, he's ego driven. We all are, but like right. the things that a man needs is strictly coming from that place. And all a woman has to do to build him up and to make him be the alpha that she wants and to like have him do the things that she's asking him to do without complaint and all the things, pay him a fucking compliment every once in a while or tell him that you appreciate the things he's doing or thank him. Simple things like you smell really nice, even though you've been married to the guy for 10 years. It's like he obviously is still attempting to smell nice for a reason and it's not for anybody else but you. And he's just like, you never recognize those things. But it's like the moment you do, you know, it just goes so far. Um, and I think I found the fucking trifecta of this whole deserving thing while you were talking. Follow me, okay? I think it's more of achievement and fulfillment is what men are really looking for. So the definition of achievement, I'm going to go down this in a ladder, okay? The definition of achievement a thing done successfully, typically by effort, courage, or skill. Fulfillment. The achievement of something desired, promised, or predicted. And then satisfaction is the fulfillment of one's wishes, expectations, or needs, or the pleasure derived from this. And I think all three of those, achievement, fulfillment, and satisfaction, which coincidentally they all have the definition of each other in there, gives a man dignity, which is this the state of being worthy of honor and respect 
which then makes him deserving. Same confidence. Yeah. But it's it's like, it's all those things. And I looked up that definition and then it had the other word in there and I just kept going. And I'm like, this is insane how it just all led to giving him that state of worthiness, which makes him or her deserving. I mean, I could go both ways really, but I think, you know, based on what we were talking about, it really does come down to, you know, how a man feels and what he's really after when it comes to the ego. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just... We have a tendency to treat male emotional things like depression, for instance, the way we treat female emotional things. And it couldn't be more wrong. Like you don't treat male depression. If you want to fix male depression, give the male a hill to climb, a a fucking, you know, a a conquest, an adventure, something to accomplish, someone to save. Like, you know, there was a case of this is. It's super loose because I'm not prepared to tell the story, but there was a bad fire or something crazy happened in our city a long time ago. I can't remember the place, can't remember the time, can't remember anything, so just bear with me. But the point was just that uh, some of the stuff was so fucking traumatic that they didn't have enough people to man the ambulances and the fire trucks. And the men, there was men in the hospital that were comatose, borderline comatose that had severe mental issues that, you know, they'd been in the hospital for years and years and years. And like almost all of them were instantly at a very high functionality and they were out saving lives. And it put most of these men back together. And it's such a good metaphor for reality. I know I've said it before, but we just want to be your fucking hero. I can remember the last compliment my ex-wife gave me and it was a while ago and it was about the way that I smelled and you know I hadn't heard her say anything like that you know and really I just I'm just like any man you know I don't I don't hear a whole lot of compliments and I still remember and to be honest I had stopped wearing cologne because we're a very natural family and, you know, I just didn't want to be putting chemicals on me all the time and then exposing my family to the chemicals and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so I kind of did away with it and just, which is stupid. Women completely respond to the way you fucking smell. And I'm not saying smelling sweaty is a bad thing because, because as much as they might say that they don't like it, that doesn't mean smell like a foot. It just means that when you come in from working really hard, you definitely can rev her up a little bit without her knowing by smelling like a fucking man. But there is so much psychology to smelling good. You got to smell good. Guys got to fucking smell good. But yeah, the the little tiny, even the smallest compliment from the little old lady at the gas station like that shit sticks with us for fucking years man nobody fucking tells us nothing like we we want our family to look at us like we're a hero like you saved us from that problem that we didn't know how we were gonna fix or you you know i don't know you're like playing it up you fix the lawnmower he's a fucking hero you know nobody else is gonna fix the goddamn lawnmower and that doesn't mean she's not a hero too but her validation and his validation is different she needs to be noticed 
Make sure you see what she's doing. Validation for a woman isn't good job, good job. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're beautiful. You know, like you said a minute ago, that shit just starts to sound unsincere. You know, the right way is to notice, to see her. You know, dinner was good. I'm glad there was dinner. I'm glad you thought to, you know, go buy corn because it's corn on the cob season. Like, notice the things she's doing and that will give her the validation. And you can notice things every day. And you can notice things every day and have them be uh, sincere because it's not saying you look beautiful today. And I tell you what, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Whether women know it or not, they want someone else to tell them they're beautiful. That's the problem with like you get these work relationships all the time where it's like girls want to feel validated from external sources especially when it comes to their looks like they want other guys to tell them that they look good and there's a lot of negative there but at the same time that is a biological thing women know that the person that's trying to have sex with them can't be trusted you can't trust what the guy that's trying to sleep with you says if he tells you all the time how sexy you are you're just going to be like you're trying to get in my pants. He is. You're right. He still thinks you're sexy. But it doesn't stroke your ego the way that, you know, somebody that doesn't have anything to gain when they say that you're sexy or your body's looking good or whatever the situation. So women should not be garnering attention from external sources. But I understand the psychology of wanting validation from external sources guys we don't really have that if you tell your man that he is looking good and he is smelling good and whatever the fuck it is like that's going to be more important than the girl at the store that's like you know wow you've got big biceps oh yeah thanks you know where if your girl's gushing over your biceps all the time even if it's every fucking day like, oh, your biceps, they just make me so wet. Oh, my fucking God. Like, I'm done for the rest of my life. Like, can we get married again? I, I, I don't think that women, and I, and I think it's because it's their own perspective. They get compliments all the fucking time. You know? And it's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty. Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's what, that's what women always say. Whenever you compliment a woman, it's like, thank you. Thank you. You're like, compliment a man once and see what the fuck happens. Because nine times out of ten, they're fucking speechless. They don't say thank you. They, they don't say anything. They just kind of stand there and scratch their head like, uh, yeah, well, I just was doing, yeah. Well, thanks, I guess. And it's just like, of course you don't know what the fuck you're doing with it. And I tell you what, at least me, I don't know if other guys feel this way, but when we do actually get a compliment, I don't even believe it. I'm just like, nah, it's bullshit. You're just stroking my ego because, like, you know, I did something and it it garners this kind of attention. Because, And I think most men feel like women treat them like a child anyway, because they do. A lot of women really struggle with treat, treating males like they're boys. And we just feel like that, you know. So we're just like, oh, they're just patting me on the ass because they they know I need it. They know I need it. Good job making dinner, honey. 
no, you don't really feel a good job making dinner. You're just trying to, you know, pat me on the ass like you would your little kid. But the, the point is just that we're not stupid. We know the difference between a sincere compliment and what we usually get. What we usually, just like the thank yous. You know, thank you for changing my tire. Well, no, no. Thank you for doing what I couldn't do or what I didn't want to do. Because a good woman is capable. A good woman can change her own tire. You know, so it's not like I did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. But, you know, let's, like I said before, we want to be a hero. And there's so much to it that women don't understand. I get mad all the time because I'm just like, I could have changed the tire. I know you could change the tire. We're on the side of the fucking highway. And it's the tire that's facing the highway. I'll be damned if you're going to be out there changing a fucking tire. You know, if somebody's getting pinned between the fucking, a car and a guardrail or a tire and the tarmac, it's going to be fucking me. But we don't, we don't talk about that stuff. It's just like, no. No, what do you mean? Stay in the fucking car with my with my family. That's what I'm saying. It's like the the power struggle. That's why that argument always escalates is because, you know, the man's like, no, this is my role. This is what I do. This is, you know, how I show you that I'm capable so that you don't emasculate me and leave me for somebody who's more capable. One of the worst things that was ever said to me. I've had quite a few of them, but I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say who said this, but. The worst thing that was ever said to me was, I can replace everything you provide with money. I've never been hurt so bad in my whole fucking life. I've never been, like, I've never looked at a partner and thought to myself, I can replace you with, I don't even know. I don't even know how to go down that road. You just feel useless. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like the uh, the opposite of validation. <laughs> if you could take validation away, that's what that was. But yeah, it just goes back to the little kids, man. Well, like, and we treat- we're so focused on the seriousness of life that we forget to have fun. And that's the little kid in us. You know, I think we all want to have more fun. And I don't know that we're ever really given as many opportunities as we'd like to have fun, but there are definitely more opportunities than we are taking to have fun. And I think when we can do that with one another, you know, and we just need to understand ourselves so much better to know that it's okay for these things. We're all so alike. We all really want the same things at the end of the day. And if you could just think about, make a list of the things that you want, even though it might be a little bit different because we're we're male and female and like we talk about, but that's probably a good place to start with, you know, what your partner might want or need from you. Like I said, the, the compliment, the, you know, I appreciate you. If you want to be acknowledged and recognized for what you're doing, do the same. Just like really think about your ego and what you need to, to feel validated. And to not feel like you're going to be judged or reprimanded or rejected when you step into your vulnerabilities. That's super important right there. Yeah. That's one of the, that's one of the biggest ones. And stop taking everything so seriously with one another because we're struggling enough. 
we're all fighting our own battles. We're trying to figure ourselves out. We're hopefully we're, we're in this relationship, you know, trying to figure out what's going on here. Like let loose every once in a while and stop taking everything so seriously. I got a hot take on that. Right. Right. And that's, I think that is a huge problem because boys, you know, and I know it's, I'm always boys. I'm the boy. So I'm the boy, but we want to be boys. When men get together, we can conquer the world. 10 men will conquer the fucking world. But at the same time, we will do it acting like a bunch of little boys because when Bunch of men get together. We just become a bunch of little boys. It's the only time we're really allowed to be little kids. And that's all we want to be. Like we, we subconsciously, we know that we just want to dance around and wrestle and fucking be little kids. One of the things that I see women don't want men to have fun. It's just a fucking thing. Like if a man is having fun, his woman is usually like, what the fuck are you doing? You should be doing something. You should be doing something else. Where are you going? What are you doing? Why do you want to do that? I I just, I think that nowadays, most women, and I don't know if it's like really a conscious, purposeful thing, but women get upset when men are having fun. And subconsciously will do whatever it takes to keep them from having fun. I don't want you to watch sports once a week. I don't want you to go golfing. I don't want you to whatever the fuck, like... You want to know why? The, I, I don't know, because sometimes it'll be the most minuscule amount of time. It's her ego that doesn't want you. You're not giving her attention. It's not that she doesn't want you to have fun. You're not doing something that she wants to do. It's not fun for her. So why do you get to Yeah, have- but she's going to the beach like four times a week and hanging out with her friends and That's doing all these different ego. things. And then you go golfing once a week and it's like. I, 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 me, me, me. If I get to go have fun with my girlfriends at the beach four days a week. And then I'm at home and you're playing video games or watching sports. That's not me. That's not I. Ah, I see what you're saying. Right. The ego usually leads. And so I've just, I feel like for most women, you know, and I don't know, everybody's situation is so different nowadays, but you know, like the guy comes home from work and she's doing all the things and then she just wants all this love and affection and, you know, everything. And that might not be where the man is at because he was doing the thing all day long, you know? And so, but it's again, the ego, like he wants to do what he wants to do because me, 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 I, 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 and she wants him to do for her because in it just, they butt heads, they don't see eye to eye and they don't realize that it's because they want to feel their own egos. And so they just don't get along. She gets pissed, goes to sleep, whatever. He sits there fucking drinking his beer, all salty, watching the baseball game. Well, and maybe fuel isn't always the right word. I think a lot of times it is, but I think a lot of times it's it's almost the opposite, you know? Like, let's just use that example and just pretend, you know, the man's coming home from a hard labor job and he's exhausted and he walks through the door. Nobody greets him. Nobody, you know, the first thing that usually happens in a typical household is, you know, because she probably was waiting for him to get home. For dinner to be done, he walks through the door. There's a good chance that life is a bit of disarray, and she's gonna instantly want help. He's gonna walk through that fucking door, and she's instantly gonna be like, "I'm in here trying to make dinner," or "I started lawn, just came home from a hard labor job. All he wants to do is relax, even if it's like five minutes or ten minutes. Just leave me alone for a second. Or if you're gonna give me attention, it needs to be affection. You know, come give me hugs. 
Tell me you guys miss me. Tell me you're glad to see me. You want you want your guy to come home and fucking do stuff. Maybe start with how glad you are that he's there to help. And then maybe he'll jump right on your fucking boat and start rowing with you. But that's the thing is it's exactly what you just said. But sometimes it's not quite as much the feel as much as it's just the damaged children. The woman is just over her head. The kids are driving her nuts. A lot of times we might not admit it, but men are way more patient when it comes to the kids. Like men are obnoxious. Kids are obnoxious. When kids are bouncing off the walls, it's a lot easier for us to deal with. Well, Women, on the other hand, because men are men are kids. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're like, yeah. let me play. Let me show you how to play with that toy. Right. right here. Let me drive so your mom like, nuts with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I mean, there's de- and guys, you got to be careful with that because you will subconsciously do it on purpose because you think it's funny because you're just one of the kids and the kids think it's funny, too. It's not good attention. It can be done right. You can bother mom and have it be fun. But just keep in mind that you're not really one of the kids. You're, you want to be a kid, but you're supposed to help protect her from the kids. And he's coming home. He's the damaged kid. He watched himself. The child part of his ego watched the adult part of his ego kill himself all day and sacrifice. So his family, and it's like, you know, can you help me? I'm exhausted. What the fuck are you talking about? I'm exhausted. What did you even do today? We're home all day. I wish I could go for a run. We are so fucking dumb when we talk to each other. And it's everything that we started with about if you don't know yourself, then you don't know your spouse. And how the fuck are the two of you ever supposed to connect on a level that's meaningful if your ego is spending all its time getting in the way, probably because you're not addressing it. Because your ego is crying out to be catered to, and no one's doing it, not even you. So, you and this know. isn't like our conversations are are idealistic. We're not saying that it has to go right from one extreme to another overnight. We're just suggesting that maybe you start taking a look in the mirror every once in a while and having a conversation and just figuring out like why you react the way that you do, what it is that you really want from your partner, what it is that you really want. Like, because if you can't communicate what you want yourself, how do you expect your partner to give that to you? And like I said, (laughs) a good starting point is to ask yourself what it is you need or expect from your partner and then start giving a little bit of that to them and see how receptive they become and see how things shift. Nobody has a manual on how to make it work. Everybody's different. Every relationship is different. And so you just have to, it's, it's trial and error, figuring out what works and what doesn't, but it all really starts with figuring out your own self and putting your ego in check when you start to recognize yeah. those things. And there's nothing wrong with admitting that you fucked up or that you're wrong or you overstepped yourself or, you know, because I've said hurtful things. I don't think anybody is exempt of never hurting anybody's feelings, but there, there's a lot to be said when you own up, just like it takes a parent fucking your ego gets smashed when you have to tell your kid you fucked up or you did something wrong. But it's like, that's what you're building into your kids on 
we're not perfect. It's okay. And it's important that when you do recognize that you made a mistake or you said something hurtful, you own it. And that goes so much further than just playing it off. Same thing with your spouse. Like it is okay. When you say something, the best thing to do is actually reconfront that because guaranteed that thing that you said, or the thing that you did to make that person feel the way that they feel, they're going to hold on to that for a really long time. Like you said, the thing that was told to you and not that, you know, that person couldn't have taken that back, obviously, but I guarantee you that you would have felt a little bit differently had you had a conversation about that afterwards. Right. You know, things that, things that make you feel you'll remember forever. Yeah. Yeah. They just fucking stick. You know, all you have to really do is just do better. Just check in with yourself and know that the person that is with you doesn't expect you to be perfect. And you shouldn't expect perfection from the person that you're with. And if you can own up, you can communicate and you can recognize that what you're really communicating is this I, I, I shit, then maybe reconsider and approach it a little bit differently. And I guarantee you the results will be different, you know, and it's just something that takes time. And the other person has to be recognizing this and also doing the same thing. It it really is difficult. It can happen. It'll probably be a little bit easier, but ideally this works best with both people can do the same thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And when you really evaluate and you hear yourself say, I, 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 Mm -hmm. you you know, you humble out really quick because you're just like, Jesus fuck Christ. I'm a selfish fucking bitch. But again, these are things that we are just not taught on how to deal with. You know, I mean, I took psychology because I was interested in it, but it's not a required thing. You don't have to take psychology. And if you do, it's like a one-on-one, you know, very, you know, nobody's taught to be in relationships, but yet it is expected that we, we date to find our mate and then we get married and we have kids and then we're supposed to be with that person for the rest of our life. But neither one of us know what the fuck we're doing with ourselves, let alone that person. And we're expected to make it work. We are thrown to the wolves and expected to just figure it out and not have any sort of humiliation. Like humility is huge in a relationship. That's what I was talking about. You know, just admitting that I don't fucking know what I'm doing. You know, but I'm going to try. I'm going to just show up because that's what I'm supposed to do. And I think we just don't have that humility. These are things that nobody teaches us. That is okay to have that. It's okay to put yourself in check. It's okay to be humble. It's okay to have vulnerability because that's what everybody really just needs. If we could just do that and accept that from everybody, we wouldn't have anything to hide anymore. Like we could just be ourselves. Right. We, uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm the perfect person for this because I'm the perfect person. I'm so fucking special. Um, so I've got a good perspective to give when it comes to to ego and being saturated with your own self-perception. You will never be respected if you can't be wrong. If you can sit there and argue for a point that is just so obviously... Like, you will never be what you want to be. You need to learn to be so humble. If you can't be wrong, then you can't learn. Because if somebody, like, I am so happy that you pointed out that I've been using that word wrong. 
like I'm still sitting, it's still the definition that's on my bring all these tabs open. It's still the definition that's open on my screen. Because I I've grown so much in just the short time from learning that definition that if I had sat there, like you were saying, and been resistant to the fact that I was wrong, I'd be like, yeah, well, you can see how it means. Uh, no, no, you're fucking wrong. But now you now you're right. Now you fucking know. Now we're all on the same page. And the person that you're dealing with feels validation through that. You know, like, man, you're right. I I wasn't doing that right. I was wrong. Thank you. And Thank it's you. the intention. Had I approached it differently to make you right. feel like a dumbass, you probably wouldn't have been as receptive the way that you were. Because you would have felt like you had to put up a defense. Right. Because right. I made you feel like an idiot. Exactly. Yeah. Right, but it was right. just like, no, I I know <laughs> that you're going to want to understand because something that's, you know, big to you is not knowing the definition of a word. So just. Right. Want you to I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I got a couple of things here that are. Uh, you got anything else you want to say that's super pertinent to the because most my couple of things are not really relevant to. They just could wrap up things. That... Yeah, no, go for it. So one thing I wanted to say real quick is, well, this this isn't really relevant to that, but you, Stacy, you do the editing for stuff. And I don't, I don't hear the content until it is content. So I, for the most part, hear what everybody else hears. And the other day I was listening to one of our podcasts and there's a lot to editing and stuff. So from when we create uh, a podcast to when it actually gets aired, there can be a decent amount of time there. So I tend to forget things that were said or not really have the same, you know, I'm not the same chat when I'm listening to it is, is when I'm talking about it. And I was listening to one the other day where Stacy was trying so hard to get me to understand that she was saying that you need to be content in the situation, the environment, the time, the place, the now. And we were talking about a couple of different things at the time, and I kept railroading it, talking about how, how people, but men specifically, should not be content because... It's not going to get you anywhere. Like, I don't care what you think you are. You are not fucking good enough because you could be more. You know, you got the perfect physique. How fast can you solve a Rubik's Cube? Like, there's something that you're not fucking doing. So do that. But the point was not, had nothing to do with that. The point that you were making was that people in general need to be content in the moment. And an, an even better word might be to just be present, to be present. Like You could simplify it even more than that and just be. Right, right. And it, as much as I want to push onto especially the men and the women now, like I'm really bummed out. Nobody's fucking reading anything. Nobody's going to the gym. Nobody's doing a goddamn thing. 
Everybody just thinks they deserve so fucking much and they're not worthy of a goddamn thing. But I, ju I just wanted to go back and and make the point that uh, that, that, is, that is a really big thing, to be content anytime, especially when you're with people. Like, just be happy with what they are in that moment. Be happy with what you are in that moment and absorb and, and experience all the things that are present because that's that's why it's the present because it's a fucking gift and you, you don't get it again you don't get it back like I don't know I get off on a tangent sometimes because I'm so worried about people being weak and I forget our experiences with each other are the only things that are important <laughs> time is the only thing that you actually have Everything else is just a construct. It's just, I mean, I know time is also a construct, but as far as the one thing that you have, it's time. So I just, I've been kind of pining about that ever since I sat and listened to that. Because a lot of times when I listen to the podcast, because I listen to the podcast, and I just, I hate, I hate me. I'm just like fucking, you know, which I hate myself all the time. Like I go to do something and past Chad is fucking future Chad all the time. I was like, I fucking hate that guy. I hate the thing he says. I hate the thing. You know, my favorite thing, my favorite thing is Facebook does that. Like, you know, want to see a memory of 10 years ago? And I'm always like, yeah, show me how stupid Idiot. fucking yeah. past Chad was. <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. I, I love know. It. I look at things like that too. And I'm like, did I really say that? Yeah. What the fuck? Did I really feel that? Yeah. Like, I, I really thought that was a fucking right. stupid little kid. So. But my, my last couple of things I wanted to start, like, we've been talking about doing kind of like a little rapid thing or like a little grinds my gears type of thing. And I do a lot of like writing quotes down and things down like that, that like really hit me. So I just thought that maybe I'd share a couple of those here and there to kind of just pump people up, give perspective. Like the one I said earlier about a, a man is as old as he feels and a woman is as old as she looks. That one's original like that just it really hit me really hard because I think that the more the more that we do this and the more I talk to women the more I realize that we are all delusional as fuck women don't realize their agency men don't realize anything stop waiting to grow up this is so fucking important for the guys mostly this is for the guys if you get with your girl when you're young you're young, you're a child, and she needs a man. And it's okay to become a man, you know, with her, but don't you fucking wait. Like, be a kid as long as you can, but the second that you have responsibilities, you take their responsibilities so goddamn fucking seriously, I swear to God. Like, they are the most important things. So figure out how to be youthful but responsible, or you're going to be guilty a fucking decade from now. And by extension, don't let age become your master. So grow up fast and then stay young as long as you can. Because, you know, you start sitting on the bench because you're trick me and you're going to be fucking 50 before you're 40. I fucking promise. This one is in my head all the time. Mike Tyson says this. I can't remember who said it before him. One of his trainers, I think, but said, uh, 
Discipline is doing what you hate, but doing it like you love it. So figure out how to get there. Figure out how to run in the mornings and enjoy it somehow. I swear to God, you'll change the fucking world if you can figure that out. Nothing nothing about life will be difficult. No strife, no flat tire. You'll become impervious to things. It might be, you can... become difficult, but I think we should always be challenged. Fuck yeah. Because that's how we just get better. And, you know, I, I do my coaching and stuff like that. And one of the things that I always tell my girls when they get lost, because it's like, you know, we talk about the mindset thing and they'll gain momentum real quick. They'll, they'll start getting a habit or they'll, they'll be doing something and they'll feel disciplined in the moment. And then they lose traction. They don't have accountability. They make excuses. They just get back in their old ways. And one thing I like to remind them is when you get into that moment, remember why you got started. And if that isn't strong enough to keep you going, then it's not strong enough. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, because this is there's a reason why you got started. What is that? And if that reason isn't good enough to keep you going, then that reason isn't good enough because you ultimately want the thing, but there's other things that you want more. You want to sit on your ass, you want to stuff your face, you want to be lazy, you're tired, all the excuses. That's easier. You want that more than you want to get up at 5 a.m. and go to the gym. Yeah. Right. Probably true, because that is way easier. But your reason for staying where you're at is better or bigger than the other reason. And you're not ever going to get where you want to go if you lose sight of that. And if it's not getting you to where you want to go, then you need to shift the reason. Yeah. Well, and it's, yeah, that's one of Goggins' big things is he talks a lot about how, you know, discipline is key, not motivation, not motivation. Discipline gets you where you want to go. But Discipline will not save you when you really start to fall, when you really start to crumble, your mind is going to go to the why. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Why did I choose this path? Why am I doing this myself? If you don't have the why, if you don't have good reason, then your discipline will crumble. Mm -hmm. And you've got to already have that answered. Don't wait until you're crumbling to try and figure out what the why is. That's like business 101. Why are you starting the business in the first place? Why are you doing the thing that you're doing? If you can't answer that and it's not a strong enough answer to really keep you going, then it's not really the reason. Right. It's probably not going to get you to the finish line. No, that's that's actually like a huge component of starting pretty much anything. Because a lot of people have a, a why, but a lot of times it's not strong enough. And so there's things that I walk everybody through that helps them really dig deep into like getting a stronger why. Cause like you might have a why, but it's like, but why is that your why kind of thing? You know what I mean? It just keeps going deeper yeah. and deeper until you have such a strong why that there's nothing that's going to shatter that. There's no thing that's going to get in the way. I mean, life happens for sure. But if you can keep going back to your why, it's going to keep that discipline. That discipline and the, the, the progress that you make is going to get you motivated. And all those things combined is just going to keep you moving forward. And if you can do that, eventually you get to those results. But yeah, it's a whole fucking process. Just like everything else, everything that we talk about is literally you just have to get started and you have to have those conversations with yourself to figure it out because those aren't things that we were taught. Those aren't things that we typically have conversations about. 
but it's the secret, you know, I think we're unlocking Pandora's box right now in this podcast for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's, you don't even know why you're doing the thing because there's not enough self-awareness. Your why comes from proper self-awareness. You will not have a proper why if you're not self-aware. You don't even know why you're doing what you're doing. So the last thing I got isn't really related to today's experience, but it's been on my, my mind a lot lately. It is the hardest thing that will ever be is to spend a lifetime loving someone and then having to become strangers to that person. And if I had advice for the younger me, it would be to be so much more self-aware when it comes to my relationship because I may be worthy, but that doesn't omit me from the complications of life and the potential of loss and my fucking ego spent a lifetime getting in my way and I don't want it to spend a lifetime getting in everybody else's way so just be humble and be happy with what you've got and be content and don't be complacent and don't get off the path evaluate more be more aware of her and more aware of you and see see all the things that your your spouse does girls and boys whatever just the see each other like how see many how many couples don't acknowledge one another like really yeah. acknowledge each other they're more roommates i have so many like friends and stuff that seem more like roommates than they do in a relationship you know and i just yeah. think that there's so many they are. there's so much more that can be done in a relationship that just like anything else, it takes that discipline. But if your why isn't strong enough to be able to stick with the difficulty that it takes to really make something solid and to really have the results that you want out of that relationship, then it's not going to work. And if it's easier for you to just give up because it's hard, then that's what's going to be the result. You know, it's just understanding yourself well enough and actually taking the time, the initiative, the give a fuck. I feel like some people just really like don't give a fuck about the no, person they're with. This is a good term. I like it. We're going to use this one. To get to know that person. And as we evolve, because I think one of the biggest things that we do is we get in a relationship with somebody at a certain point in our life and we think that they're going to just stay that way or we're going to stay that way. And we forget that. And I talked about this on another episode. We forget to check in with one another. So just as we're asking you to check in with yourself, you have to do the same thing with your partner over the time that you are together, you know, and it, you could go from relationship to a relationship, but if you still aren't doing that work for yourself, or if you're still going into relationship, acting the same way and treating that person in a similar way, it could be about different things. But the bottom line is you're not going to get any different of a result anywhere else right. you go. So Remember why the fuck you got that person in the first place. And unless there's something really detrimental, you know, there are a few things, but 
for the most part, most people are in a decent enough relationship to where if they could just do the work on themselves and put in a little bit of work, like I said, a compliment every so often goes a long fucking way. If you can't do that in a relationship that you're in now, you're never going to make it work no matter right. where you go. So you know how hard it is and the, like the success rate of relationship after relationship, it doesn't work. The statistics are against you. Right. So you might as well. You know, you're not settling. You pick that person for a reason. So do your fucking shit. Like be the person that you're supposed to be in a relationship for you and for that person. It's never going to be perfect. And if you're looking for perfection, then you're going to just be single for the rest of your life. Right. Yeah. If you just humble your ego a little bit, it's because it's not as hard as it sounds. The ego of the one you're with. Right. Right. Yeah, it sounds so much harder than it is. Because if you just if you just act a little more humble, and like you said, stroke your 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 partner's ego a little bit, you'll find that it's really a lot easier to connect and reconnect and to be together and be on the same page after five years, ten years, twenty years. You just have too much sense of I, and not enough sense of we. Because we will keep the eye healthy. Yeah, I was just going to say in the struggles and the battles and the things that you have to endure throughout life become so much easier when you are with a person that you've been able to connect with and have that with and and share those vulnerabilities in a safe place where all of those things that build upon a, a really solid relationship just help you go through life so much easier. And it makes the hard not so hard. You know, because when you do it alone, it really fucking sucks. It's impossible. Stop thinking you can fucking do it alone. Whoever the fuck's listening, you can't. You can't do it alone. And you only have so many chances. I'm always blown away when women are blowing up their relationships at 35 because I'm just like, it's going to be hard. So we're just going to end today's episode opening up the floor to anybody that wants to share comments or concerns or ask questions about what we discussed in today's episode because there is so much controversy around today's topic and you know we bring light of our own perspective to the table and that doesn't mean that we have all the answers or you know that the things that we say is what's right for you but we really like to tailor our topics and our episodes and conversation to what it is that we, one, want to kind of push the grain a little bit and go against all the societal norms because we truly believe like in our morals and values that it is not how we see things or feel like those are the right things. But we also recognize that not everybody sees things the way that we do either. And so this podcast is meant to open a conversation and we really want to give you as the listener opportunities to engage with us, to ask your questions, to voice your concerns, and to just have a space where you can be real and authentic in how it is that you feel about these very controversial topics that we talk about. So you can follow us at Finding Equilibrium Podcast on Instagram, and you can also email us at Finding Equilibrium Podcast at Gmail. And, and we just want to give everybody an opportunity to 
talk to us and share what they're feeling and have an open conversation without feeling like it's not a safe space. Just because you might disagree with us or maybe you do, it doesn't matter. The spaces that we provide for you is there to offer anything that you either want to support or even go against. It's completely cool. We are open to that discussion and we're excited to hear anything that you have to share about our podcast or any ideas that you have to offer for future episodes. So make sure to connect with us. We appreciate you coming back week after week. This podcast is one of those that doesn't publish weekly. Um, We do longer episodes and so it just takes a little bit longer for us to get this content out to you. But we really spend a lot of time making sure that it's edited and that we sit down and have really thorough conversations. We don't wanna just put shit out there to put shit out there. So I hope that you can appreciate and understand that our podcast takes a little bit more work on the back end and um, we're just creating this content for you and wanting to make the most valuable content that we can for you. So be patient, know that this podcast is still rolling. We're doing all the things behind the scenes and just trust that we are here for you. We're going to continue to show up and this podcast in 2024 is just going to exponentially grow. So stay tuned, keep a lookout, follow, share, do all the things, leave comments. You know what to do. Appreciate you and we will see you back here next time. 